Joe presents TKO together with 32 Red. Hello, welcome to round eight of TKO here on Joe together with 32 Red. We're a podcast and YouTube show and we'll be with you every single Thursday. This week, we're talking about the unusual subculture in the sport of boxing. It's the journeyman, the away corner, the guys who fight when very few people are watching the small halls, the leisure centres, and they play a crucial role in the sport of boxing, as many of you will know, but it's a subject that not often we talk about. Very pleased to say we've got one of uh, the unsung heroes of the sport of boxing, certainly one of the most popular journeyman yeah. in the game today uh, it's Lewis Van Posh um, you hit your 100th fight in February is that right? yeah 2nd of February got the got to the Centurion mark congratulations um, a, goal, a goal achieved and we, uh, we got on yeah. and, and you, bo- you won it as well yeah. I won yeah got <laughs> yeah, that in their car yeah. <laughs> one of your one of your 8 wins uh, in those 100 well, fights you fought, you fought 5 <laughs> yeah sorry mate yeah. <laughs> you've, had, uh, you've had more fights since February than we've had podcasts so that's something isn't it it's just my job, isn't it? It's always five weeks. Is, is that an actual fact? Yeah. Oh, I think so. Yeah, we haven't had five since February, have we? No, we haven't. No. Or maybe we've had. But I, either way, you're boxing this weekend as well, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. E- One six. Every week, so uh, Blackburn, long drive. Is that right? Yeah. Mm. Every week is fight week for you, almost, isn't it? These days. Every week, yeah. Um, yeah. How many did you have last year? Thirty-three. Thirty-three. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I was pretty knackered by the end of it. Yeah. But we go again. Yeah. When you. I, I turned over of course you know they say three ways you make money in boxing you either sign with a big promoter you're either very very good um, or of course you go on the road you were of course a prospect coming mm. off the back of a decent amateur career um, how do you think journeyman contributed certainly to your the early part of your career I think me like any other boxer or prospect they contribute a lot because you kind of find out the thing is, going from amateur boxing to professional boxing, it's like people don't realise, but they're they're all, they're almost two different sports. And there's journeymen who can expose weaknesses and mm. good amateurs. Even um, I never really fought too many um, British journeymen. I, we were getting guys from Hungary and stuff mm. who um, they were a bit they were a bit easier to knock out. Yeah, so yeah, flatter yeah. your record a bit more. Like yeah. if I, I've had been fighting, you know. British journeymen who can kind of protect themselves and get work their way around a ring and, and know not to get beat or know not to get stopped. Um, I may have had a few less knockouts on my on my record, but I was fighting like I fought a guy who I think I described him before as a Hungarian Mr. Mr. Bean. Bean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for God's sake. Yeah. But but that's one of the the underrated facets. I think people will yeah. see your record of eight wins in one hundred and five and think, yeah. oh, he's rubbish. But actually, if you look, let's say you take America and you look at their journeyman, I yeah, mean, they're 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 terrible they're shocking right and so so the skill set you actually have to have is one that you've got to keep the promoters happy right yeah. you've got to keep your I guess the board happy to some extent but also you've got to make sure that prospect wins and looks good in doing so it's yeah. a lot of plates to spin isn't it yeah it's just, it's a fine line you've got to like um, like you say you've got to make them look good make a fight of it not get hurt it's a, quite an art form like people don't understand it they ne- they'll never understand it unless they're within the boxing community or follow boxing at some sort of um, some sort of level but I, I work in a barb shop and I have to explain at least eight to ten times a day <laughs> what a journeyman is and how it works and people always think it's like underground betting like snatched and stuff like that so they've watched too many films and so it must be frustrating it's man. so frustrating so frustrating but equally it is what it is well if you're doing it eight times a day you might as well do it once more for our viewers at home so yeah. just tell us that your definition in 2019 of what a journeyman entails. So a journeyman, um, we're away fighters. We're not there to win. We're just there to sort of make the numbers up. But like I said, the art form is don't get hurt in the process. Make a fight of it. Make the lad look good. But 
expose them slightly so they have, they have stuff to work on. Um, every now and then you'll come up against someone which is really good. Like, you'll fight someone which is like, you're probably a bit overmatched, to be honest. Mm. Um, but then most of the time it's just like a case of these lads are just ticket sellers, potential up-and-comers maybe one day. So you get them at the early stage of their career and you try and... Uh, Try and just give them a tough night's work, make them work for a win. Like, because it's nice to get a result now and then. Because obviously, I've only got eight and one draw. Mm. Um, but a few of them fights are um, losing by a point. So you do the maths; they tell their own yeah. story. You know, when, when a journeyman loses by a point, you know he's won the fight, really. Right. Mm. Yeah, but they always want to give it to the kid who's selling a few tickets. Yeah, that's it. This is it. Cast cast nail on the head there. They, they, the lads, they, we don't get any favors. Like. We don't get nothing in our favour. If it's close, it'll go the other way by a point. Um, if it's a draw, we lose it. If we knock them out, we get a draw, as the old saying goes. <laughs> I, I, have a, I have a story, right? I'll not mention the, the fighter's name, but um, I've seen a guy fighting a journeyman. I think he was a Latvian, but he was pretty decent, the Latvian journeyman. And he could fight a bit, and he was there to have a go. And it was a six-round fight. Um, the Latvian beat this guy up for four rounds. At the end of the fourth round, the referee walks over and lifts... The, the guy who's just been beat up <laughs> and like because he was punctured and he, and he lost the first four rounds um, the end of the fourth round yeah so it was a six round fight so the referee but the referee was trying round. to do him a, he well, didn't think it was a four round he was trying to do him a favour because the, the kid was blown right okay so he tried to make it a four round fight the lad <laughs> then went ballistic like what's going on this is a six round fight oh sorry about the confusion that was an accident let him carry on um he got battered again for the next two rounds. So this this journeyman won six rounds out of six. Round <laughs> but he lost the fight by a point. It's crazy. <laughs> you do the maths. You do yeah. the maths. It's crazy, mate. We, were, crazy. We, we had Anthony Crawler on last week, or yeah. rather we went to him. Um, yeah. Obviously, he's got you know the biggest fight in the world in, yeah. in just over two weeks' time. He was beaten by uh, was it Yusuf Alhamdi in his, like, his ninth yeah. fight. Yeah. I mean, just a, not a guy on paper that you would have even worried about. But he got taught a lesson that night. Yeah. Um, have you ever had any upsets? And, and as a result of those upsets, does it ever lead to any kind of fallings out with promoters? Because obviously that's not that's not in the script that you're given, is it? No. So, uh, again, I won't mention any names, but um, we had a scenario. It was about a year ago. Um, turned up at a venue. So one um, in 33 chance then of working out here. Yeah. <laughs> was it, no, it, was, it might have been. It was a year before even, 2017? Okay. I oh, know. Yeah, yeah. 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 I digress. Um, <laughs> turned up at this venue... Looked at the looked at the lad's box right before he he had a few years out and his last fight was at welterweight. Like I'm a I'm a now nowadays I'm a fully fledged super middleweight really, but I was fighting a middleweight then. Um, so I saw him at the way and I was like, I was going to Rich, my my coach. I was going, I can't be fighting him surely. He's tiny. So again, the unwritten rule is, don't try and knock me out. I quite happily play the game. But um, the promoter was asking us to play the game. The kid comes out swinging, catch me with a few good shots. To be fair to him. Um, I just thought, screw this, mate. You're having some bite now. So I put it on him, just battered him. Four rounds, beat him up. Uh, lost, the, uh, Won the fight, sorry. Um, that promoter hasn't even... Won't even attend a conversation with us now. Won't, won't even talk to me or Richard. Wasn't, won't, won't, won't pick up the phone. When it sees us at shows, just sort of give us a nonchalant nod. It's that's crazy. A, and that's a part yeah. of your income then. Gone, yeah, isn't it? gone, yeah. Like, I haven't fought on one of his shows since. I haven't even seen him since, really. Wow. No. Yeah. That's crazy. That's yeah. crazy when you think yeah. about it. But it does show you that you're there to play a role. Therefore. Precisely, precisely. Yeah. And um, 
Well, sort of the one knockout win I've got there. Um, I had six fights scheduled after that, four of them pulled out. Surely you're doing them a favour as well, the promoter, because you're exposing these yeah. kids for, for what they are really Precisely, as well. yeah. But like they, they, we're playing a role there and we're exposing them a little bit, but they don't want them exposed. They're t- they're so, especially these lads, they well, sell them two or three tickets, tickets suppose, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And then all their mates and friends, their family there, they're like, I'm not watching, not watching him, he got beat last time mm. against someone who's had hundred off fights and lost most of them. Yeah. So like they're, they're looking on paper, because I'd say 75% of people in a boxing venue aren't boxing fans these days. They buy a ticket off their mate to go watch them punch someone in the face. Yeah. They're just There's a handful of boxing fans at boxing venues now. Gone are the days where you could put a poster up and people would just turn up at your call and go watch the fight. Because that was the old role of the journeyman, wasn't it, really, in, in the early days? It was to actually take prospects through, yeah. put a bit on them and actually see what they had yeah. in order to tell the promoter, yeah, you've either got a diamond in the rough here or actually, no, he's probably no, nothing not special. Yeah. Do you still have those conversations with yeah. promoters after you've boxed a prospect? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like They often come into your change rooms and we're getting our wraps and seeing the doctor. Go, what do you think of him then? What do you think? And then we sort of have to give him a little bit of a feedback. But uh, I try not to give him too much, to be honest. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just sort of keep it under my hat. So and then if you, if you could whack a bit, me and Richard would look at each other and go, yeah, you can whack it. <laughs> <laughs> you've been with, uh, been with like, Lerone Richards and yeah. Mar Sadiq, Darryl yeah. Williams. Um, I mean, some, some big guys, some, some guys who can punch. Zach Parker is the two, the, the, yeah. the Southpaw super middleweight. Who do you really rate that's, that's coming up through in the last couple of years? So... Obviously, I've got some decent names on my record. Curtis Woodhouse, Sam Eggington, um, yeah, obviously Daryl and Zach. But I'd say the, the top two that stand out for me in terms of like all-round ability is Zach Parker and Lerone Richards. Both of them, I just couldn't lay a glove on any of them. Just mm. couldn't couldn't get near them. Lerone ended up stopping me. It was a bit of a soft stoppage, but it is what it is. Mm. Um, it did hurt me. Um, Zach didn't hurt me at all, but I can't take too much. It was his debut. Um, but I'd say Lerone Richards... And Zach Parker, the t- top two to keep an eye on. And obviously, but Darrell Williams just, just took me out and around because he's yeah. just massive and relentless. Aggressive guy, yeah. yeah. So just talk me through your sort of average month then. How close to, to a fight does the phone tend to go? What's that conversation like? And, and I, I guess because you're, you're a barber, nine to five, Monday to Friday, right? Yeah. So you have to work in a lot of stuff around yeah. your fight schedule, don't you? Yeah. So talk me through an average month for you. Um well, it, the fight notice can vary. It can vary from anything from like an like an hour to to a month, really. But um, my phone's quite my my phone goes quite a lot. Like Richard Fun, and he's my manager. He's like one of my best mates as well. So he literally just texts me saying, "I've already to, agreed to this fight. Just make let me know if you're available or not." I'm just like, "Yeah, sound. How much we're getting paid and how much I got away. That's that's about it." But um, yeah, I go go to work, get into work for about nine o'clock, leave about half six. Go to the gym two or three, four times a week. If I can be bothered, and then uh, yeah, and then fight on the weekends. Have Saturdays off, um, off work. Hop in the car, up anywhere in the country. Your call. Um, you get lots of fights up, up, up north these days. So I, I imagine when you when you turn pro, your idea wasn't to be a journeyman. No, you had a, you had a few wins at the start. Yeah, and then so when the decision made that actually I'm just going to go on the road and fight regularly and be yeah, a journeyman. Yeah, it's, it's a funny one because. Um, um, no one really understands. I don't know if you understood the pro game when you first turned pro, mm. but like I didn't have a clue how it worked. I sort of had a vague idea. Like you sell tickets, you fight, uh, you fight in your hometown. They bring someone in to fight you. Um, so I was a bit, I was a bit naive about it. I had my first two fights at home. Um, one my first, one my debut, um, close, but I still won it personally. Lost my second one to a, a, a losing journeyman like uh, Jerome Samuels. 
wasn't tipped up for anything really. He, he did go on and win Welsh title in the end. To be fair to him, um, lost that one. Um, and then I got a phone call off my manager at the time and said, "Do you want to fight in London on Friday?" This was like a Tuesday, and I was like, mm. "Hang on, how, how do you want me to sell tickets mm. in four days um, in London?" And he said, "No, no, no, you're the way fighter. Just turn up and fight." So that's what I did. Turned up there, batted the kid, won. So I was like, "Hang on a minute, why am I running around selling tickets when yeah. I can just turn up and fight and then still get like a fair result?" Obviously, then start realizing how the game works. Got a few, ended a few bad decisions, and that's when I thought, tell you what, obviously I've rubbed his shoulders with people like Christian Late, Kev McCauley, uh, Johnny Greaves, obviously, he was, a, he was a trainer by then, by the time I turned pro, but, um, no, anyway, mm. yeah, he, um, he was in the changing rooms, like, wrapping people's hands, doing people's corners, so then, just get chatting to those people, and I just thought, tell you what, this is the route for me, I'm good at what I'm doing, I've sort of had a few on the road already, let's go for it, I'll be a journeyman now. Is there yeah. a point where you... You put pride aside because, I mean, we know to, to prospects how damaging a loss can be. Yeah. To you, it's nothing. No. To you, it's, it's your bread and butter. But yeah. there has to come a point where you go, actually, that, that loss stops becoming a, a thing to you, right? Um, yeah. yeah like me, me and Richard, we, we sit in the car on the way back and we'll like, analyse what we did well and stuff, like, like, like you were doing on, the, on, a, on a big fight. But um, so, oh, was it hard done by there? Like, lost by a point or lost by two points? Um, they gave me a round and they gave me a, a draw one round. Um, but then on the pride side of it, we're like, we deserve the win there. But then we sit back and think about it and go, phone keeps ringing, we're fighting again next week, mm. draw a line under it, we go again next week. Do you so always pick up the three points. Do you always become, <laughs> you become a journeyman yeah. seamlessly. Yeah, yeah it's, just, it's just like, a, it was a natural transition for me. Um, some people like know how to play the game, some people don't. Like... Um, Rich has got another lad on his books called uh, Anthony Fox, and he turned over as a pro, a, a journeyman. Yeah. And then sort of Cody re- Davis a little while ago. Yeah, I think. yeah, yeah, that's it. Sort of, he realised that he's probably above that level. Mm. He's quite a good lad. He's strong. He's powerful. He's naturally quite fit. So he just decided, that, screw it. I'm going to be a. Um, he's in the Who, Who Needs Me club. He is. Yeah. So like he fights like people like Morgan Morgan Jackson, um, uh, Morgan Jones, Cody Davis. Like, those sort of fighters on yeah. the way up beat Luke Blackledge. Mm. So he's like. He's like the, you've got the journeyman this level, like where I am, to sort of fight anyone. And then you've got, if you're stepping up the levels and you've maybe pushing on to a, a central area. Or what, what is, area. What's the least amount of notice you've had for a fight? Um, well, there's a, few, there's a few of them stories. Me, I've only had like a day. I've had like, yeah. a, like a day's notice, but you've got people like Johnny Grease that have like turned up. So have you got your boots from the fight? Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Like, yeah. But like me, like I had... Um, <laughs> I, I used to work, I used to do a bit of cover teaching. I was working at a school, and uh, I got a phone call on the Friday, oh, on Thursday, sorry. They said, oh, "Do you want to fight on Friday tomorrow?" I was like, "Yeah, right. Well, yeah, I can't get the day off work, but let me know where the fight is, etc. I'll do my best to get there." So um, they said, "Oh, it's in Hull, which is like a friend of the country to me. Yeah, yeah. I'm in Bristol, Hull's all the way up there. So it was like a four four hour drive. I got there." Um, I said, look, the weigh-in was at, like, four. I said, I'm not, never getting there. I don't finish work till four o'clock. So I just drove up there, got there. I, I think I got there just, just before eight o'clock. Um, they said, well, mate, you're on second. Boxing's about to start. And you be sat in the car for four hours sat in the car, well. like, driving, yeah. Wow. And then got, got there, and they said, quick, get ready. So luckily I had some old unwraps. Just whack there, man. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> See, pulling, pulling someone out of a hole like that, right? And... Going in at a day's notice. Mm. Is there a few more pennies and a few? Some, sometimes, sometimes, yeah. They're like, the... the the money side of it, it sort of varies. It, you might get a bit more depending on the opponent. Like, mm. 
um, if he's tipped to go well, if he'll go far, or he's a good amateur or whatever, and notice it all just goes a bit hand in hand. It's all discretion of the promoter managers. Tell That's me, not my job though. Tell me to mind my own <laughs> business. Do you mind? Do you mind me asking the, the sort of money that you would be offered on average for for a fight at a week's notice? Oh uh, yeah, so it's, it's, like a, it's like a standard wage. Like you'll you'll get like a thousand pound. For that, that's your purse. Then they'll give you a hundred quid or something for your expenses. Okay. That just goes to Richard because he does all the driving. Um, and then I give him a percentage of like his his fee for being my manager and my trainer. Yeah. So then, uh, so on top of the nine to five. Yeah. And you're boxing sometimes three times a month. Yeah. It's a pretty pretty live pretty very good living actually. You'd think it'd be loaded, wouldn't you? So <laughs> 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 you'd think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Oh, mate. Um, yeah, it's a funny one. Do, do you ever kind of, I mean, look, to play devil's advocate, you, you box anything from kind of light middle up to, to light heavy. But let's say you, you get a call saying Josh Boatsy needs a late minute, a last minute opponent. Would you price yourself out of something like that, knowing that it's probably not worth a thousand pounds given the opponent? That happened on the weekend with a friend of mine, um, Callum Hyde. He fought to, uh, Tommy Fury. So last minute phone call, the night before, oh, Tommy Fury's opponent's pulled out. Do you want to step in? They rang my manager. We said no, because we was already booked on like a, a pretty simple, nice work, to be mm. honest. So then um, they said, oh, we'll give you five, five grand. And he was like, no, not doing it. Um, Tommy Fury is too big for me anyway. No, I, I shouldn't be fighting that weight. Um, so they, they pulled in Calamide. So he got like a nice nice little wage out of it, but ended up getting stopped. So he's out of action for a month now. Yeah. yeah. I think, and that's the thing, isn't it? You've got between 25 and, sorry, 28 and 45 days yeah. if you get cut or if you get stopped. Because yeah. um, you've booked in already your next three, is it? Four, I think. Is it ne- four? Next four weekends. So yeah. you need to know. That's the. I guess that's the main pressure on you, right? It's not so much pressure to mm. win. It's pressure to get through unscathed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, like I, I don't get nervous for the fight. I get nervous of thinking oh, if I get to forget if I walk into a silly punch here, or forget if I get cut. That's me out of action then for for a month, well, five weeks because twenty eight days. What's that? Four weeks. But then you you got to have the full twenty eight days, so that turns into five weeks. So it's five weeks without a, a fight. Did promoter ever speak to you on, on the way up with any opponents, or are you aware of, you know, because you're both playing a role. You obviously, as a prospect, mm. want to want to get the stoppages to build your record. But at the same time, if you know a journeyman's coming in to do you a favour and they've maybe booked in their next three or four over the next five or six weeks, did the promoter ever say, "Listen, mate, go easy on this guy because he's got he's got a run." Well, it never never happened to me, but mm. um, I know it happens. But I was never. Again, I never fought too many journeymen, but a handful of them. Yeah, and they were um, they were kind of like normally like foreigners, so no one was really willing to do them any favors. You're that, like, that if you can get rid of these, though. if you get rid of these guys, yeah. get rid of them. That yeah. happens more than you know. You get a, sometimes they pull you to one side after the weigh-in and go, "Look, mate, just take him around the ring tonight. Just then he sold load tickets. He's quite nervous, so if you wouldn't mind." So I'm just like, yeah. Great. Show me the money, like yeah. yeah. So they chuck me a chucks me an extra uh, extra drink in it, and I'm I'm happy to do it. But then if they don't brief them up, then it could turn into a little bit of a. Well, that's what I'm thinking. You yeah. need you need both sides to be in on the deal. Yeah, yeah. 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 So um, we probably shouldn't be talking about it really, but it is just reality. So I'm quite happy to talk about it. But yeah, um, yeah. Like these, these, I had a fight up in Nottingham um, towards the back end of last year. Um, same thing, like I just said, weigh in, just favour, mate, loads of tickets, quite nervous. Like, I saw him, he was real sheepish at the weigh in as well, he was like really scared. I like, didn't want to look me in the eye or nothing, like, not that we do face offs at this level, but didn't want to look at me, he was quite nervous. Um, obviously, day in the office for me, I was just like, whatever, mate, it is what it is. Um, 
first round, like, I always tap gloves, like, come out, you tap my gloves, and he's just gone, whack! Right, I was like, oh, steady on, kid, pipe down. <laughs> so then, like, I've sort of given him the benefit of the doubt, like, sent the minutes gone by at this point, he's doing the same, piling it on, putting mm. the, putting the uh, punch in. I was like, mate, just calm yourself down. So give him a quick crack, and then Rabbit in the Headlights comes into play, and then he starts thinking, oh, Christ, I don't want to get knocked out here. By someone that's lost not your fight. <laughs> Do you ever have to question yourself in a fight where you're fighting a guy and you're like, right, I could, I could fucking beat this guy if I turn yeah. it on here, you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you ever have to like hold back a little bit? And Yeah, yeah. Like, you, you just find your moments to, to have your little bit of success. Mm. Like, like, I don't live the life of an athlete, but so I, I haven't got that extra 10% of fitness to go and like, but I sort of know my gears, I sort of yeah. go for the gears, that how I see fit. Like, a good journeyman can control the fight himself, can control the pace of the fight. If they let them do their work, I'll do mine after, etc. It's like certain tricks of the trade that you like. You know yourself, like, to find a 12-round fight, you pick your moments to... Mm. Mm. It's the same with a four-rounder. You yeah. sort of pick your moments to go for the gears. So that's what I do. But, mm. yeah, if you pick it... Like, a lot of the times you, you are thinking, Christ, doing yeah. a job here yeah, could be... If I, was, if I was a little bit more fit, I could could do it. But yeah. at, at the same time, I'm 28. I live a normal lifestyle. I, drink, I, I eat fast food and I drink beers now and then. So <laughs> it is what it is. It's not, not a bad life. Um, no. Listening to TK with me, Chris Lloyd and Carl Frampton uh, on Joe together with 32 Rebra, a podcast and YouTube channel with you every Thursday. You can subscribe via the usual channels. Now, though, here's Alex Payne, uh, James Haskell and Mike Tyndall with something a little bit different from Joe. Chris, thank you very much indeed. It's just a moment or two for us to duck in and tell you about the House of Rugby. We're having a lot of fun. What are we trying to do with the show? Why should people be watching and listening? <laughs> <laughs> we are basically trying to mix it's going, up. It's, this is going into another show so that people come and watch us. Oh, uh, hello, everyone. Uh, yeah, uh, it's nice people. Right. Well, we should basically watch House of Rugby because it's unbelievable humour. We don't talk about any rugby. Uh, and we give you the inside track from people who are still actually involved in rugby, not old 60-year-olds who don't know anything. Good. Uh, <laughs> you can download us via YouTube. You can no, you can, you can as you can tell, we're a very professional outfit. You can watch us via YouTube and download us via iTunes. I hope you'll join us at some point. It's a lot of fun, really. Okay, thanks, gents. Uh, back here on TK with Joe together with Thirty Two Red, and we've got Lewis Van Posh, the uh, well-known journeyman. Um, you created quite an identity for yourself, I think, over um, the last couple of years because I think it was to do with the visual stuff and the way that you treated fight nights yep. um, you went full Charles Bronson with the moustache <laughs> yeah, yeah. it started originally as like a Halloween outfit didn't it you were boxing around that kind of time yeah yeah so um, I, I had a big massive beard right? and I, I grew the beard because I got really fat I had a bit of a boxing sabbatical I got really fat I looked like <laughs> rag and bone man I, was, I looked horrendous <laughs> so I, grew, I, I lost a bit of weight and I got I still had the beard Halloween was rolling around I was, we was having a barbershop party um, and then I was like, what am I going to do? I haven't picked an outfit. So I was looking at myself and I still had, the, I had this big tash on the end. And so I started waxing up. I was like, Bronson. I'm already bold, so let's go as Bronson. So I did that. <laughs> and then November rolled in. So I was like, tell you what, I'm boxing four times in November. Let's do a little gimmick. Like I'll get some short shorts and some old school boots, flat hat, dressing gown, ring walk to like a quirky like 1950s style song. And it just sort of loved it. the fans loved it. The press got hold of it. It just become my identity. And then now, obviously, being a barber as well, it sort of suits that as well. So it's just a it's just my de- identity now. Yeah. I wonder if Bronson got the hold of it. Uh, may- maybe, maybe well, I've not. Crikey! Yeah. Should I ask him? Get him on the show. Is he still, is he still about? <laughs> oh, he's he's in, not dead, is he's he? Not, no, he's just so. in the clink. Is he not? No, I don't think he's out. Is he? Sure, he's not died. 
Voilà, ah, non, 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 c'est ça. C'est ça, c'est ça, c'est ça, But that's, but you know what? That's really interesting because as a fighter, one of the things you need is an identity. You need to have yeah. your, your thing, whatever that thing is. Yeah. But for journeyman, that's, that's never even really a consideration. So you're quite a trendsetter in that respect, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, it just, it, I don't know. It just sort of spiraled. I just sort of started doing it and having a laugh of it. Everything I do within boxing is a bit tongue in cheek anyway. Mm-hmm. I don't take myself or the sport too seriously. I'm being perfectly honest. I sort of, like I said to you, I drink beers and I eat fast food, but obviously everything in moderation. Um, I just sort of have a laugh of it. So I just started doing that on fight nights as well. I, was, I don't take it like you go to a boxing show, the ring walk is quite uh, tunnel vision, get in the ring, fight, so don't interact with the crowd too much. I'll stop and take selfies with the crowd like, and stuff like that, and like, dance and sing along to the ring. I'll get in the ring, I'll do the alley shuffle or some, <laughs> or some dance around the ring in, in the introductions and stuff like that. Yeah. I'll sing and dance to his ring walk music. Like some fans are like, oh, what's that? But a lot of fans are just like, Hello, yeah, fair yeah. quality or. I'll hear someone heckle me. Punch his tash off. Punch him. <laughs> Not the bald idiot out. I'll turn and give him a little wink. Yeah, little yeah. <laughs> so it's just it's just interaction with the crowd and just having a bit of a laugh of it. Yeah, yeah. It's a different spin on it, isn't it? Because yeah. you just, I guess, I guess showman aspect to it, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, that's uh, essentially what we are, though. Yeah. We are yeah. just showmen. We're entertainers. And the away corner, so often they're like an invisible presence, aren't they? They're there, but we're not really looking at them. We're looking at the prospect. Yeah. We're looking at their shape and their punch variety and the power and everything else. Yeah. But we're, we're rarely looking at the person, even though they're right there in the ring. Yeah. They're almost the second layer of visibility to the referee. Literally, literally yeah. Yeah. yeah they don't, we, don't, we don't get a lot of, like I said, we don't get a lot of airtime. So this is awesome being here, just been talking to you guys. It's, it's, it's great just being in front of a camera for once, yeah. talking about what I do and, um, and how we go about our business. Yeah, like we are invisible, really. So, so just take me back because you were um, you started boxing. But you had a little break because you were in the army, weren't you? Mm. So tell me about that. Um, well, I joined the army straight out of school because uh, well, I hadn't applied for college or university or nothing because I'm just thick as fudge, let's be honest. So uh, I, I just I thought, tell you what, what I'm going to do, I'm going to go and join the army. So I joined the army. Um, I'd been a, I'd been a boxer for about four years before. Um, joined the army, sort of enjoyed it a little bit, didn't enjoy it too much. Left just before I was 18, and then sort of got back into boxing, worked at pubs, building sites, etc. Mm. Thought, God, do something. So I'm going back in the army. Went back in the army, done five years. Um, whilst I was in the army, that's where I turned pro. But I had the sabbatical from boxing whilst in the army, obviously, because as soon as I finished my basic training, that was straight into pre-deployment training, where we went to Afghanistan, spent seven months out there, and obviously... What year was that? Uh, 2012, 11, okay. no, 2011. Okay. Yeah, I got back to start 2012. That's when I, that's when I picked up the boxing again. Turned pro in November that year. How, how was Afghanistan? Quiet, quiet. It? Yeah, it's like you see, you see, like everyone's got this um, image of what they think Afghanistan is. Where Ross came in Afghanistan, it's hundred mile an hour all the time, <laughs> Call of Duty style and stuff like that. But it's it's quite tedious, quite boring. Our our tour was quite quiet. We had a few um, few things happen here and there, but nothing too major. So we was there in the winter as well. So it was naturally quite quiet. We ever we ever in Northern Ireland? I was I was based over there. Obviously, well after the conflicts and yeah. finished, but I was based yeah. over down in Ballykinler. Okay, um, down down um, that's just where like, my base was. But yeah, we didn't. I wasn't there for too long. I was in there for a couple of years, and about a year I, of that I was away. I remember the the soldiers kind of. I I grew up back end of the troubles, but I remember like army patrols walking the streets yeah. and you're always over at the soldiers yeah. like oh, give us a little look yeah. through your sight and, cool, they, and, they, and they help you out they get down on their knees and let you look through their gun fire you a few sweets or whatever 
As yeah. a kid, that was that was wow. great. That's what we was doing in Afghan. That, uh, that was my role as an infantry soldier. I was on the front line, so mm. that's what we was doing. But obviously, with the little Afghan kids, not the little Irish kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how, how do the kids take to you out there? Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the part of the job is to win the hearts and minds of of the the local community. So that was our job was ground holding. So we just had to we had an area we had to look look after, stop the Taliban from infiltrating it, and then um, so we we just had to. Get everyone on our side, all the locals, all the kids. All the kids are like, you give problem is you give them one pack of biscuits, they keep coming, knocking on the door of the checkpoint. I have, I have biscuits. <laughs> Suddenly <laughs> you're a sweet vendor. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Drive. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But yeah, just win, win the hearts and minds, and you don't have the job. Do you ever feel in any danger out there? Anything, anything major happening out there? Or yeah, yeah, you get a few, few hairy moments here and there. Um, they've got this one job, uh, one story. <clears throat> I'd, I'd believe it or not, I had long hair, um, and I'd really itchy. I was on top Top Gunner on top of the top of the uh, wagon. I can't remember what it was massive or something. Right. Um, and I really itchy hair, and I couldn't quite get it with my helmet. So obviously, I, there was someone watching me from afar. I didn't. I couldn't see him. Obviously, I was like, oh, I can't get this itch. I've got to get it. So I thought, screw it, I'm going for it. Whip my helmet off. I was like, ah, oh, and then bang, 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 straight like four or five rounds of milk. Drop, drop. I was like, Christ, got my helmet back on. Couldn't see him, Sarge. Nothing, Couldn't see nothing him. Nothing <laughs> at your helmet or anything. <laughs> no, nah, no, it went miles over my head. Wow. But it was off you just to shit me up. Wow. Yeah, funny. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Story for the grandkids, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, that's funny, is it? <laughs> it is funny, man. It's not me. That's like a. It's like a Monty Payton sketch or something. That's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get your hat pinged off. <laughs> wow. It's just just day, day in the life of a soldier. Are you sort of? Were you a troublemaker as a kid? Were you sort of attracted to like yeah. trouble? No, no, not trouble. Like, is in like fisty cuffs trouble. I was, yeah. I was a bit of a jack the lad, and I was a bit of a wind up. And I got in trouble at school just for my attention span's awful. Right. Just so I just couldn't concentrate at school. So I was always in trouble at school, but not. Uh, not through, like, fighting or anything. Never have been. Not even as an adult, really. Just stay away from that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so how long were you in Northern Ireland for? Um, about two years all in, yeah. But it was... I was there, Most of it was pre-deployment training. Then we went over to Afghan for seven months. Come back a little bit of time there. And then I, then I turned pro, so I come back to the UK. Well, well, England, sorry. What's the situation like now over there? Seem a bit calmer? There's a few little flare-ups of late. Mm. Well, it is the calm. Border and- well, uh, yeah, the... Uh, talking about border polls now and stuff mm. and, and Brexit as well yeah. hasn't been great for attention back <laughs> home but it's uh it's all right. Northern Ireland's a good place now. Um do you know what in the football aren't they? We're uh we're doing all right. Top of the group after, Give me after a, a couple of wins. Yeah. 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 We've, we've beat Estonia <laughs> yeah, and know, Belarus, two <laughs> two absolute powerhouses in European yeah, football. And so. you blitzed them as well, I mean, you know. Yeah, well, one nil and two one. But <laughs> hey, listen, it's all about the three points. Yeah, it's yeah. all about the three points, and we're playing well. And we're we're not playing well actually. Not Ireland have played much better, and we've lost. So we're not playing too well, and we're winning, which is a sign of a good team. Yeah, I think. definitely, definitely. Um, the, that video of of the fans after the game. It's gone a bit viral. Um, yeah, a little bit silly. Tell us about. Your... I think it was before the games. Oh, was it before, it was before the game? Yeah, and it was. Um, it was a few fans singing anti-Roman Catholic songs, which was absolutely, I think, out of order. It was condemned straight away by the IFA, and so it should have been. Um, but it's been there's been a lot of attention about it in the media, and this is a few decades, really. In the grand scheme of things, like when I was going to Northern Ireland games as a kid, you would have heard sectarianism constantly. Um, 
But these days, like, you don't hear it. You don't hear it at the stadium. It doesn't happen. The IFA and Northern Ireland have tried a lot to, to rule it out. The fans have tried to, to rule it out completely. And you've got a couple of clowns who want to sing silly songs. Every um, club's got that. Every that's the thing. thing you, you talk about, you know, Arsenal have firms. Tottenham yeah, yeah. have little firms and they go and fight it. You can't, you can't like, lambast a whole club yeah. or a whole nation because of a couple of clowns. And that's, that's all it is, really. Yeah, yeah they'll watch Green Street one too many times, isn't they? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sermon over, Carl Frampton has spoken, behave yourself, kids. Um, back to boxing. Um, you have retired twice? <laughs> yeah, twice. Yeah, so you're, 20, you're 27 or 28? 28. Right? 28. So you've retired twice, so at some point you've just gone, I've had enough. Yeah. What's, what's led to those decisions? Um, it's just like the, like the whole tedium of it, yeah, like the, the losing fights, the bad decisions, the travelling, the weight cutting, like... One of the questions I get asked is who was your toughest opponent? Most of the time, it's been the scales. Mm. Like the scales has been my toughest opponent. I don't, I don't carry weight well. If I have to be training all the time to keep weight off, Rich will tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> he gets in my head all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like it, it's sort of everything gets on top of you. The, the whole training all the time and keeping the weight off, and sometimes I think screw this, I'm done. So then I have walked away, put a bit of weight on, oh, get back in the gym. Finding myself getting punched in there for free in the gyms. Say so you, like, you've got four fights here, weekend after weekend. Mm-hmm. You've got a nine to five. So you're going to fight on a Saturday and hopefully fight again the following Saturday. How, how often do you train um, after mm. work? Um, three, three or four times a week. Mm. Just sort of one, one session a day, go to work, go home, go for a run or go and do some high intensity stuff in the gym. Get a sweat yeah. on, really. So I can sweat up. Do you spar? No, never, never. I haven't. I, I've, I've never had a good sparring session in my life. Like even as an amateur, mm. I, I always just get beat up in the gym by like by young lads, by white collar lads. I always just get in my own head a little bit, thinking, "Oh, I'm doing this in the gym, what's going to happen when I get in with a bona fide pro?" And then, but I always end up pulling it out on the night. on the fight night. I'm like a obviously got gym fighters and people forming the lights, and I'm one of the the latter. Yeah. And well, you're I don't getting, train or spar, really. Yeah. I suppose you're getting 16 to 20 rounds a month yeah. in the ring anyway. Yeah, And yeah. That's, that's fitness in itself. Yeah, but like, again, um, with the the whole getting punched in the head and the medical side of it, I get pun- probably punched in the head less than probably you, when you're in yeah, camp. Yeah. You're, in, you're sparring for a couple times a week. Yeah, yeah. So you're getting punched in the head more than I am, really. Well... Maybe not. But no, I think you're. I've never thought right. of it like that, but you're yeah. probably right, and that's something you're I've. You're sparring kind of, twelve rounds. Yeah, and I, I've kind of something I've thought about a lot. Like previously, I, there was fights where I for the Scott Quigg fight in particular, I sparred two hundred and twenty rounds <laughs> for one yeah, for a camp for, for one, one camp. fight. That's yeah. too many. Oh, way too many. Yeah. I do yeah. probably eighty now. Christ, yeah, yeah. But two hundred twenty rounds. Any anyone I've spoke to when I've said about two hundred twenty rounds, they're like. I've yeah, never heard crazy. anyone it's doing close numbers. to that. It was just insane numbers. But you box well, though. Yeah, but I suppose when you think about it now, it's like... Was you a bit flat in there? No, the quick fight, no, I wasn't. I was just, like, struggling to make bantamweight. I won the yeah. fight, and I feel like I won it pretty comfortably. Yeah. yeah. I was struggling to make the weight, and I enjoyed sparring. But um, it's just it's a lot of rounds. There's yeah. no need to be sparring that, you, that you, often. Like, lads that I'm in the gym with, um, uh, there's a lad called Ryan Wheeler trained with, um, trains with Ridge. And uh, he says the only part of training he enjoys is to sparring. But I'm the complete opposite. Mm. If I have to spar, I'm a little bit like, mm. do I have to? Mm. But he's like, he relishes it, loves sparring. So he quite happily stay in there, just rotating lads through. Yeah. But so, and Lee Selby, he's the same. Yeah, Selby spars a lot and loves it. Um, yeah. I, I enjoy sparring, but I think 
I feel like I've got a bit wiser and uh, yeah. train new, smarter. Yeah, train smarter. Yeah, I suppose that you have to a bit, don't you? Yeah, well. I'm a new team as well. I have a different approach to sparring mm. than, than my older team had. Um, speaking of the Selby brothers, I know you used to train with Tony Borg and, and yeah. that lot. Andrew, very sad to see lost his uh, eliminator in Mexico. Yeah. Um, it, uh, with his potential coming out of the Olympics in 2012 and all we did as an amateur, it's sad to see a few years on with everything that's happened that he's almost had to go and be the away corner. Didn't yeah. think we'd see him, he, him in this position at this stage. Yeah, yeah. So it's a funny one with Andrew because um, he doesn't live the life of an athlete. He's he's had a few issues outside the boxing, which obviously I don't know too much about. Mm. Um, it's a shame, shame with Andrew because, like I said, he's got all the talent in the world. He, he's, he's one class. of the most naturally gifted yeah, fighters I've ever seen. class, mate. And so many Literally. people still don't know about him, really. You know, this, the, the hardcore fans um, appreciate him, yeah. but I still think you could chuck his name out to, you know, to 99% of casual, people, casual yeah. fans and they go, oh, I don't really know much. Know. He's unbelievable. Yeah. This is it, though. But, like, again, it boils back down to if you're not signed with a big promoter, and or exceptionally good, you're not going to go anywhere. In There's loads of stories like that, and yeah. people that are wasted talent. Yeah. So thank you, Gavin, last week, didn't we? Wasted talent, yeah. massive wasted massive, talent. Yeah. Um, but he never lived the life, did he? Like at that level, you need to live the life. Yeah. Like yourself, you live the life of, of an athlete. Because it's good money to be. I mean, let's take someone like Kevin Johnson. He's probably the best. I suppose you, <laughs> you don't Kingpin. see him as a, a high-level journeyman. The, the word is gatekeeper that we use. Yeah. But essentially, that's what he is. Yeah. He's a top-level journeyman. If you yeah. want to get to world level as a heavyweight, you have to go through him. You beat yeah. Kevin Johnson. Mm. You go twelve rounds with Kevin Johnson. <laughs> that seems to be the, the scenario. Now. Yeah, but but I guess that's that's a route that essentially comes from you've gone past your sell-by date, and then you either retire or you actually embrace it. Yep. But it, I, I guess it's completely different from you, whereas you, within the first, you know, three or four months of your career, yeah. just say, actually, I'm not going to sell tickets. Perhaps yeah. I found my level already, but I can make money from going on the road. Yeah. Two very, very different things. It must be strange being in his position where he is a losing fighter, yeah. but he's still in with some top, top world-level guys yeah. on a regular basis. Well, like, look at history. Loads of fighters have done that. They, yeah. they've, they've been... Um, they end up going on too long like even the the late great Muhammad Ali went on too long he ended up a bit of a glorified yeah, journeyman yeah. as bad as stupid as it sounds to say if you look at the Larry Holmes fight he just sat on the ropes taking shots oh, man, that was it's tragic, sad to watch yeah. you know well obviously it was. It was before my year and I, I studied boxing and watched it I've watched them all so but um, yeah but like Kevin Johnson falls into that category where he's just gone on a bit too long but he still managed to hold his own it's, if it's, anyone is in it's with. different for someone like Kevin Johnson as well because you, you have the ability to move your head and move around around yeah. get up on your toes. When Kevin Johnson fights these days, he's, he's fighting big heavyweights <laughs> and he lies on the ropes yeah. and covers up. Just tucks in that Philly shell, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he does. And it's like, it's, some of the shots are getting through. He obviously has a good chin, but mm. he's getting hit by big men to the body and head. Mm-hmm. And it's like... I was, was Danny Dubois away. I, I watched, I watched yeah, him fighting Danny Dubois. I was, at that, I was at that show and it was just, just a one-sided beating. Yeah. And I remember just... It's put been in there. It's put, it's, like, it was hard to watch. I wouldn't have learned much learned from that. No, either, not at all. Really, just sort of chasing Kevin Johnson around and just battering him. Yeah, but yeah. Kevin Johnson's making a wage from it. For a good one as well. Yeah. I was going to say, what, what do you think he would be getting paid for, for fights like that? Yeah, fringe one. Level? I, I don't really know. Like people, they, even when, when we was watching your fight um, against Quig, people going, what, what are they getting paid? Mm. I was like, I couldn't even tell you. Yeah. Like, I have not a clue. Like, I it's suppose complete, that, it's completely that different end of the spectrum. Quit the quit yeah, yeah. So yeah. It depend, that very much depends on how many people. Yeah, shoot I didn't in, even right? know either. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everyone has these, everyone has these dodgy boxes nowadays. So yeah, cut my wages in half. Definitely. Yeah, but yeah, it's complete opposite end of the spectrum. Like we get our wages, journeymen. Like the home fighters we're fighting against might not even get paid at all because they might not sell enough tickets. 
But then people asking me, like, what's AJ getting? What's, what's, uh, what's uh, Fanson getting? What's Josh Warrington not getting? Not as much as AJ. Yeah, not as much as him. <laughs> I ain't got a clue. I, I can't answer it. I can't yeah. answer it. Even, like, when they ask me, like, what people like O'Hara Davis were getting when he's, like, on Sky Sports. I haven't got a clue. No. I haven't got a Scooby. Um, is there an addictive quality to to what you do because you've retired twice of course the money is is part yeah. of it because it's a job for you i know yeah but you know we, we've seen countless examples of fighters i mean we, we were speaking to uh jimmy mac jr a few weeks ago uh who of course jimmy mac senior coach danny williams for a long time crikey only retired last year yeah you know i think he beat tyson in what oh four or something Christ. i mean it's really sad to see that and yeah. these guys go on for various reasons but do, do you find boxers we know find it hard to walk away is this one of the the problems with boxing and do you have that sort of addiction even as a journeyman i i love boxing right like like i said earlier the td tdm side of it gets gets to me now and then i sort of fall in love with boxing but i love boxing i follow it day in day out i follow all the forums all the all the podcasts all of it i love it so like doing it myself i'm a little bit over it now it's like i'm a boxer great brilliant but i do enjoy the fight nights but the there is an addictive side to it in boxing they do say is like a drug like Mm. You sort of miss the buzz, especially like the big nights and the, your fans singing the name. But mm. obviously, I don't get that side of it. But but um, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely addictive. But it'll depend. Best bit of wisdom are. we heard in this show was from Anthony Crawler last week: "Boxing loves no one." Mm. It's, it's, yeah, it's very true. Try and walk away from it with with more than than you went in, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Carl obviously at different different end of the spectrum. You, could, you exactly. know, contemplated this retirement in December, now signed a, a really great deal stateside. It is part of. Do, do you kind of almost convince yourself oh, I've got one more big performance or two more big performances? What is that? What's the addiction as far as you can? I think so. Understand? Uh, well, uh, the addiction for me is I do love the game. I was like initially after I lost to Josh Warrington, as I've said before on the show, I was a retired fighter. But yeah. like thinking about it, it was a bad performance, a really bad performance, and I've had a good career, but. I don't want to be remembered for that performance, and I know there's this a lot more to give, yes. and I know that. People will write me off and think I'm, I'm done, I'm on the scrap, people over the hill, but I know I'm not. I sparred well in that camp, everything went well, and I had a bad night on the night when you have to get it right, and Just I got it wrong. Them, and that's one of them things, exactly. So I still believe, I hope I'm not a deluded fool, but I still believe I can win a world title. What's more important, is it proving it to the fans and the people that doubt you, or is it proving it to yourself that you've still I think won? it's. I think it's... Both, is yeah, it? a bit of both. It's got to be, yeah. yeah, it's got to be almost on a level playing field there. But I, uh, it's good to, you know, people that are writing you off, it's good to almost stick the fingers up to them. It's good to show the guys who have been supporting you that you've still got it, but also yourself as well. But I, like, I feel like I feel like I've got it, I feel like I know I have it. Has he still got a world title in him? Yeah, definitely. Not to say anything because he's sat here. Yeah. You don't want to get it. <laughs> but but yeah, I, I reckon so, yeah. yeah. It always depends on the, on the night, the opponent and this, that and the other, but definitely, definitely, I'll be rooting for him. Well, if I'm, if I'm here, I mean, when when you do go back into camp, obviously we'll, we'll still do the podcast with you, Yeah. but I'll tell you what, I'll make you a deal. If we're, if we're both here the night that he boxes next fight, we'll, we'll have a beer and watch it together, shall we? In. Sounds good. Okay, before we go, it's just time for our 32-second challenge with 32 Red. Uh, Lewis, quick bit of word association. I'm going to read out a word and you've got to say the first thing that comes into your head. All right then. Are you ready? Yeah, it should be interesting. Clock starts now. Journeyman. Boxing. Defeat. Whatever. Victory. Cheers then. Training. Nah. Worst place you've ever fought. 
Oh, uh, rugby club in Hull. <laughs> Best place. <laughs> oh, you'd like to fight. Where would you like to fight? At the Auto Arena again. Best win? Uh, Scott Ilman, my under at fight. Nice. Worst defeat? Darrell Williams, first round. Uh, Afghanistan. Boring. War? Fun. Charles Bronson. Good bloke. Little Richard. <laughs> Little wham bam boo dum wham bam That's time. Perfect, mate. Absolutely spot on. Thank you very, very much. Awesome. Um, pleasure to have you on. Thanks for giving us an insight into your world. It's been, been yeah, really Yeah, thanks great. for having me, lads. Yeah. I've enjoyed it. Good, good man. And good luck on, uh, on Saturday. Cheers. Where are you Saturday? Blackburn. Blackburn. Flipping out. That's a drive. Yeah, Blackburn. Good man. Good man. Well, I'll be keeping an eye out the for The maga of boxing, Blackburn. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <That's good>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that famous old saying. <laughs> the maca of boxing, Blackburn. Um, right. Well, that's it. Done and dusted. TK round eight uh, here on Joe together with 32 Red. Our thanks to Lewis Van Posh. Uh, good luck to him on Saturday. Thank you at home for watching. Remember, you can check out all the other TKOs on Joe Anthony Crawler's round seven and round six, where Carl and his trainer, Jamie Moore, dissected the defeat to Josh Warrington in December. We'll be back in seven days time thanks for watching and we'll see you next week you've been listening to tko on joe together with 32 red